worship team. That was awesome. This is only, I guess, my third Sunday now doing in-person worship. And even as, as weird as this is with masks and all spaced out, it does remind me just how good it is um, to be together. And uh, we're going to be in John 15 uh, this morning. And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, throughout this whole season of coronavirus, it's like I can almost date March 14th where the world ended. Like, not really, but just everything changed. We, we had an RUF group. We were going to Costa Rica, and then days before we had to cancel, and then slowly the whole rest of my summer got canceled too. And sports were gone, which is very disorienting for many of us. And it just left us wondering, you know, like, what do we look at? What do we have? What is most essential when we're not distracted by all these other things. And so in RUF, we talked about John 15, and in this, these few chapters, Jesus is talking about essential things. He's talking about the things he wants his disciples to know the very last night of his life, right before he's about to be betrayed. And so I'm going to read these verses, and then pray for us, and then we'll look at them. John 15 Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me pray for us. Father, Lord, we can do nothing without you. Thank you for the blessing of gathering in person today. Um, Lord, I thank you for those who are with us uh, virtually as well. Thank you for your word, Lord, that you have given to us to grow in order that we may know you and that we may have life. So we ask that you would bless us by your spirit in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So looking at this image here, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser and we are branches, you know, a, a picture comes together of what's, of what's happening and what Jesus is saying here. We cannot exist unless we're connected to the vine and the father is the vine dresser. The vine dresser would be the one who tends the vines. And if you think about how vines grow, they need structure and support. They, they really need a trellis. So you've got this, you've got the Father and the Son working together to help us grow and to give us structure, to give us uh, a trellis, so to speak, something that orients our life. And this is such a helpful and relevant image to us, again, where we have so little structure in our world, in our world right now. All the things we used to orient by are sort of just stripped away and gone. And so what does it mean to actually have a trellis? Uh, some of the the ways I've heard it described to be trellisless. Um, one of the one of the places uh, uh, I saw it was uh, I listened to uh, an Atlanta Braves podcast because I'm from the southeast, and it's pretty funny to listen. I don't know if any of you are sports radio people, but there's just like nothing to talk about, so they just make up stuff to talk about. But uh, the guys on the host on the the host of the show were talking about what Corona was like for them, and they were saying. The days are 57 hours long. My eyes are bleeding from looking at a screen, which I don't know about those of you who've had to be on Zoom a lot. That's basically how I felt throughout the whole month of April. 
Uh, they said, I miss live TV so much and how count, the, their calendar pretty much was sports. So maybe a lot, some of our idols are also, you know, maybe brought out during this time. Uh, all the days seem the same. And one guy said, I wake up, get on the computer and do work. We eat dinner, watch TV, go to bed, and then do it all over again. And his wife, smiling, uh, said, sounds like the years I was at home raising the kids. Zing. So like, definitely some people are feeling it more than others. And maybe the, some of us are realizing what it's like to be confined at home. Uh, and even me working from home in the fall, <laughs> Helen, my wife, very nicely was like, I'm not, I'm not used to you being home so much. <laughs> Which I knew she meant like, and it's really great that I get to be around you so much. Obviously, that's what she meant. And another, another place I, uh, I read about how time is just so warped right now for us is this McSweeney's article. It's a comedy website, and it's the, it's the, uh, the people in charge of time, and they've decided to make changes to how time works. So they said a day. You may remember that a day used to take place over the course of 24 hours. We felt this was too much. A day is now over the moment you first ask yourself, what time is it? Anybody, y'all had that thought? We're just... The minutes are just like totally lost on you. It does not matter what time it actually is when you do this. As soon as you ask or think what time is it for the first time that day, even if it's still 10 in the morning, it will suddenly be 8 at night. Does that make sense? A week. A week was once measured over the course of seven days. Our testing showed that this has been way too short for way too long. So we made a big adjustment. A work week now takes an entire year. From Monday to Friday, you will feel like it's been, and you will actually age an entire year. This is non-negotiable. I, very, I like really relate to that. A weekend. A weekend doesn't exist anymore. You'll go to sleep on Friday, and you'll wake up on Monday with a vague memory that you may have watched an entire TV show, every episode, every season, sometime in the last 48 hours. I have no clue what they're talking about there. That's not true. Nobody did that with Tiger King back in March. And it goes on. I think it goes to uh, the year, and it says, oh, yeah, the guy who does the years quit. So we really have no clue how long this year is going to last. So your guess is as good as ours. We are trellisless. We're totally lost, you know, just as a culture. And maybe, definitely in my lifetime, maybe most of your lifetimes, there hasn't been a time quite like this where so much of the world, every country, is experiencing some version of the same thing. And it's pointed to our need for structure, our need for a vine, a need for life and direction, Branches cannot live without the vine. The vine cannot live without the vine dresser. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. We are meant to abide. We're abiding people. So much of the time, instead of abiding, we just rush around from thing to thing to thing to thing, family, work, school, not abiding, not resting. And the, the image I think of when I think of abiding is like a lamp just sitting there unplugged. When we're not abiding, the lamp can be nice, it can look okay, but unless you plug it into the wall, it doesn't do much good, does not provide any light. And how often are we like that, just branches not plugged into the vine, like lamps just sitting there? And Jesus is saying, you could have so much more. And this is a time for us, I think, can be a really important time to re-examine where we've been finding life, where we've been abiding or not abiding. Not only is Jesus the vine, elsewhere in Scripture we see he's also the body, and we are members of his body. 
In other words, Jesus is a community, and we, the people who follow Jesus, make up that community, that body. And when we gather for worship, this is one of the places we see it most clearly, we have structure together because we know who we are when we're together in our communities. And community really works like this, if you think about it, not just at church, but community provides a sense of structure. It provides a trellis. With with your family growing up, a lot of that shapes how you think and how you interact with the world, or maybe your lack of a family and lack of structure in your family. School, even as much as you may hate school, you have to admit, there's something about deadlines that just gives you something to do, and then when school's over, you just find yourself really bored. Hobbies and activities give structure. Work gives a sense of, I get up in the morning, I go to work, and I come home. And so it's so disorienting to lose our community. It's disorienting to lose our structure. With what Cronus is teaching us is without our trellis, we begin to fall apart and even lose track of time to the degree that we lose our community. And then we find out a lot about ourselves. We have no self-control. Binging on everything we can find our worst vices coming out. can look different for different people. It reminds me of, uh, I did a little research on the Amish and on Rumspringa, which is the year where traditionally Amish youth, when they hit age 18, they're allowed to basically go secular and they're just released into the world and they can do whatever they want. They don't have to, they can throw away all of their practices from their childhood. And what's crazy, and I was wondering how, how many People choose to, you know, stay that way. But apparently 80% of Amish youth come back to the community after that. It's as if that year away from their family and community is so disorienting, it's terrifying. So they actually come back. And it's not that we need to be controlled by people telling us what to do. If anything, we're being exposed by how much we depended on others for structure and how little self-control that often forgotten fruit of the Spirit we actually have, that we don't have self-control. We don't have internal structure. And rumspringa, that term, it actually means literally running around. And right now it's ironic, we can't actually run around anywhere without a mask. And so, you know, instead you're just running around crazy in your house, basically. For a lot of us, it could be just, just on the internet for just hours, you don't even know what you're doing. You just look up and you have scrolled through, like you're so sick of Instagram, you've deleted it for the third time that week, maybe. Or you're on the news and just on the news all the time. Or um, just with family and really like doubling down on being together with the family until you drive each other crazy. Or finding ways to just dive into work and just binge on that to help yourself forget how little structure you have. Or getting on Facebook and getting in political debates, which is the best place to have a political debate. I think we can all agree. And we can go on and on. We all have different ways of running around. But once we run out of fuel, eventually we just have to sit with ourselves. And we find, sooner or later, wow, I'm profoundly dissatisfied with myself. I don't like what I see. When I'm left with just myself, no community, nothing to distract myself with. One blessing of corona has been that it's reminded me probably reminded you of how much you need community and how much you need the community of the church and how good it is to be here together, even as strange as it is. We embody Jesus when we're together. 
But another effect of corona, and maybe a hard one, is you realize that the community you were a part of wasn't really a very good one to begin with anyways, when you take a step back from it. And in the past months, you know, pretty much with nothing else to do, the whole nation has been watching, whether you wanted to or not, when Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd were murdered, two by the police, one by essentially a vigilante posse, one of those police officers, or uh, Breonna Taylor's officers, they still have not been um, convicted. And so millions of us are basically forced to wrestle with the reality of America as a community. I mean, who really gets to participate in the dream of liberty and equality for all? And we're thinking about it. And some of you may realize, huh, I'm dissatisfied with this. We need community. We need better community. We need our families, but even our families and the communities they provide are not enough. Our workplaces are not enough. Our cities are not enough. Our, our nation is not enough without Jesus. We need our Father, the God who made us, to tend us like branches and connect us to Jesus the vine. And Jesus graciously brings us to this place one way or the other. He brings you to that place where you say, wow, I'm really dissatisfied. Dissatisfied with myself. I'm dissatisfied with the world. So that you can know that he loves you. Jesus loves you, even when you're so disillusioned. Look at verses 2 and 3. Jesus says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Those words... Uh, for prune and clean actually come from the same uh, root word in Greek. And it, it comes from the, the word catharsis in English. It's, it's, it comes from uh, that root word. And it's really interesting that Jesus has made you clean. Jesus says, you are clean. You are well. You are okay when you know me. And at the same time, He's cleaning you more. He's pruning you. And I love the image of Jesus pruning us because as we sit with ourselves in our sin and in our anger and in our just rage at other people or just self-loathing at ourselves, we're able to look to Jesus, look out of ourselves and look to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I know you say I'm clean, but you're also cleaning me. You're also pruning me. And one day I'll be with you and I'll be perfectly clean. I'll be perfectly well. That's the hope of the gospel. And thinking about cleanness, how appropriate is this right now in the time of corona where you can almost just, you know, visualize the invisible virus and, you know, we have to wear masks and we're like sanitizing and because we might get infected or we might infect other people and it's really scary. And maybe it makes the book of Leviticus make a lot more, more sense. And it talks about laws about lepers. We studied that in RUF in the spring. And uh, did not know when I started that series that how applicable it would be. But when we touch things, we become unclean. When Jesus touches someone, it's the other way around. When Jesus touches a leper, the most despised in ancient society, they could spread a virus, spread a disease around the whole community. When Jesus touches lepers... He doesn't get unclean. He makes people clean. He's able to do what none of us can do. When he touches us, we're clean, we're immunized. When he touches us, he grafts us like branches into himself. 
just dead branches, just kindling. When he plugs us into himself, we have life. And it's impossible for that disease, that cancer of self-hatred to kill us. That killing weight of guilt, the awful burden of injustices in the world, wherever we see them. And we don't have to prove ourselves when we're clean. Instead of defining ourselves by our political beliefs or how hard we work or how great our family is or how beautiful our Instagram is or how we're unique and you know, not like other people or better than other people, there's no need to prove. You have nothing to prove when you're in Jesus. You are clean. When Jesus touches you, when he connects you to himself, we, only, we can only grow. We can only bear fruit. For Jesus, and then eventually for others too. So the gospel not only makes us, helps us love ourselves, it gives us the strength, this power to love others. Look at verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Bear fruit. Don't hear, just do more, work harder. You know, I think that's what we, we hear a lot of times. We've been, if you've been in the church long enough, is, ah, no, I need to be reading my Bible more. You know, it's not how it works. Once you're plugged into the vine, you're already good. You are clean, you have life, and you're actually able then to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And I think another effect of Corona, just the season we're in, is, again, it can be this time of self-reflection, and we can look at the lack of trellis or the lack of spiritual practices in our own life, and we could start maybe for the first time actually enjoying spiritual practices, scripture and prayer and community, bearing fruit. We, uh, for our winter conference, we uh, looked at really practical ways to apply these disciplines from this book called The Common Rule. And uh, it had really simple things that you could do every day that are really very easy to do and yet so profoundly hard because it brings us away from ourselves and it points us to God. Things like scripture before phone in the morning, which means waking up, you know, for some of us who have trouble waking up early. Um, A meal with others. An hour with your phone off every day. Prayer three times a day, which can be as simple as just reading a psalm and praying through it. And if you don't, you know, you're not feeling it, just asking God to help you connect a little more deeply with him in the word. In other words, this can be a time for us to develop a a trellis, if you will, for our own personal spiritual lives. And this doesn't make you more spiritual or more lovable. Remember, you're already clean. Because you're clean, you can grow in the trellis. You can flourish. You'd be a beautiful, the image of a, all of us as individual branches being woven together into this vine so there's this beautiful plant that bears fruit for the world. And the more you develop your trellis, so to speak, the more you're actually able to help others grow too. Only when you're abiding can you have anything to offer other people. And people can see that. Especially now, if, if you seem like someone who's more grounded and a little bit less anxious than everyone around you, that's like a superpower, I mean, that's what the gospel does to you. It provides you this deep rest and inner peace that is so contagious, it's so attractive to the world and so desperately needed by the world. And this can happen only because of, verse 3, the word that I have spoken to you. 
And this is interesting because Jesus says a lot of words, and the Bible has a lot of words. But the word, the word himself, the word as a whole, Jesus, Jesus who is God's communication, all that God had to say, he put in a person, he put him in the person of Jesus, all that he could say to us came to earth, lived among us, lived a sinless life, died for us on the cross. Jesus came and he united himself to our condition. We didn't have to go find the vine. The vine came to us. He united himself to our condition. He died for us. He rose for us so that everything that is true of him can be true of you, can be true of me. And because Jesus belongs to God and you belong to Jesus, you belong to God. Nobody can take you away. In other words, once God says the word to you, mine, you are mine, nothing you can do can take you away from him. Nothing anyone else can do can take you away from him. No fear, no anxiety, no sin when you are in him. You cannot stop growing. God will grow you into the person you never thought you could be, the person that he's made you to be. You are clean so you can abide so you can grow in the trellis. You are in Jesus, and Jesus loves you, and he will complete his work in you. Let me pray for us. Father, we know this, and we don't know it. Lord, would you help us to know that you love us? Jesus, would you expose the areas in our hearts that are not trusting, that are not abiding, Jesus, I pray for those in this room who don't know you, that they may know you for the first time, or those who thought they knew you and realizing, maybe I don't. I don't experience that love. Oh, Lord, we need you more than ever. We need you to make us alive. We need you to make our churches alive. We need the church in America to be alive. We need the churches in the entire earth to be alive and to bear fruit for your, your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.